Oh, Holy that was... fuck, that was nice. Just have a look on the uh, Discord just to see that the slideshow is working properly. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can see the M56 Scorpion development design mobility. Cool. Yeah, we are all good to go. Damn, I don't know how Dennis manages to do all this, but <laughs> Edit editing is more my style, not recording and shit like that. But hey, well, I'll figure it out as long as I don't do what I did last time. What was it? I Hit capture, but forgot I captured the wrong thing, and we had to start again. Yes. God, yeah, that was that the was... Avenger. Yeah. I mean, luckily yeah, I checked we... that, but yeah, that was what? Ten minutes of talking then? Oh, wait, no, we have to restart. Oh, look, I didn't capture the damn thing. Yeah, that was. we had a really good opening there, too. I know. I hated that. Oh, well. Oh, well. Shall we uh, start this episode? I, uh, I think so, buddy. Let's get into it. All righty, well... Welcome to Season 2 of Micro Machines Podcast. Uh, today, you have just got me and Greg to start off with. Uh, that is Hello. purely because Dennis and Jack are at HeritageCon this weekend, So, and Ezra is who knows where. He said he was going <laughs> to jump on. He's not here. Oh, well. So, as I said, you just have me, Callum, from New Zealand, and I just have water because I'm recovering from a training. And, <laughs> uh, well, it, of course, it's me, Garrison, here in Kansas. I uh, just finished a whole pot of coffee, uh, so I currently have nothing to drink, but here, painting some figures, ready to learn about our subject. Alrighty, so, this episode's going to be a little bit different. We're going to talk about the subject. We don't have any whips this week, because we're being a bit lazy. Uh, we do have normal model news, and then hopefully, and then we'll be seeing some footage from Dennis and Jack with their time over at HeritageCon. So it's going to be a bit of an odd episode, but hey, I don't think we've had a standard episode yet, so... <laughs> There's always something different, man. Yeah, we try and standardize, and we're about as standardized as the German army in, in 1940. Um, Shit. <laughs> so, anyway... So we're going to just go with a quick subject today. I just thought up this one during the week. And we, I shall be talking about the M56 Scorpion. All right. Uh, the Scorpion being the precursor of the uh, for anti-tank. Uh, I'll start that again. The M56 Scorpion being the uh, precursor to the M50 Ontos and the M551 Sheridan in the Tank Hunter role. So, as you can see, little vehicle, big gun. There's not a lot to the Scorpion, so this will be a pretty quick one. So we shall start with the introduction of the Scorpion, because you know me, I like to talk about what, why, what, how, all of that good stuff. So, introducing the M56 Scorpion. The M56 began life in the heads of the anti-tank panel at Fort Monroe in 1948. They soon developed the idea for, of a self-propelled, high-velocity, small-caliber anti-tank vehicle that could be air-transportable and deployable. This idea was put forward to the Army Airborne Panel later the same year, who in turn forwarded the idea to the Ordnance Department. The department didn't develop the project under the designation T-101 until 1950. Cadillac was soon given a contract to build two prototypes. 
The T101 pro project ran for six years, finally culminating in the four crew SPAT, or self-propelled anti-tank weapon, the M56 Scorpion. So you can see here we have the initial prototype of the Scorpion. It's a weird little bastard, isn't it? It's uh, that first picture on the left there looks like it's from a War Thunder meme, like it's looking down at an M22 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's got a very um, scratch built model type look to it, doesn't it? <laughs> like, it really does. Yeah, like on, honestly, I, the, the M56 Scorpion looks like something that's been scratch built for like Horizon Island. This is a Horizon Island vehicle, isn't it? I was I was about to say it kind of it looks like the the inbred cousin of the Flak 88 Ezra did. Yeah, yeah. Or the HIDF. Yeah, it's it's odd. Yeah. So development of this odd little vehicle. So, as the T-101, uh, or M-56, was in development, so was the SSM-A-23 DART anti-tank guided missile. The Continental Army Command did not want to spend the time and money on two projects that effectively fulfilled the same role. This, proponed, this pro postponed the original 1957 de delivery date of the vehicles to troops. A case was argued that the DART would not be serviceable for another two years. Because of this, it was finally agreed that Scorpion would go into production. It finally started being developed, uh, delivered to troops in 1959. Built by Cadillac Motor Car Division of General Motors for use by U.S. airborne forces, the M56 was de designed to be airdropped by heavy assault gliders and cargo aircraft. In later years, it was able to be dropped via helicopter. So this is the start of basically the uh, quote modern day airborne vehicles. The uh, the weasel's daddy. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah, basically this thing was going to be, was designed to be just a lightweight support anti tank weapon. You know, when it comes to like as basic as basic, I mean you you can't get any <laughs> less than this. I mean, you know you can yeah, look at it. Yeah, you could probably pump these out at like a dozen at a time or something. I mean, there's got to be like no build production or anything time for it it, it kind of looks like a pershing made love with like a like a panzer four look at that look at that turret mm. and and then had a poly relationship with like god what's that called like a T seventy light tank or something like that a soviet yeah, light tank so, yeah it's yeah. just like it's a weird combination Hmm. I mean, it, it, it honestly looks like it was something that was jerry-rigged in the field, to be honest. <laughs> HIDF. Yeah, like it's, it's definitely got that sort of look to it. So this this was in competition with basically one of the first anti-tank guided missiles. Um, wow. Yeah, basically, they, they, it was going to be the same role. It's just... Um, you're looking at two lines of thought, gun versus missile. The missile was taking a bit longer to develop, and they kind of just needed something now. So, you know, I think they, I think the dart turned into the toe eventually, or something like that. It, I think so too. Yeah. yeah, but um, if you have a look at photos of the dart, it is massive. Like it was definitely um vehicle based. It's got these massive I fins say, on them. The, I've seen guys carrying elements of the tow missile when I was in infantry school. I could only imagine what that thing would be like. Yeah, the, like having to break that down and carry it. Yeah, like the the dart was uh, had like four massive fins on it, and uh, it, it, I mean it looks 
great. Like you see it on the launch pad, on a launcher, and it looks amazing. But let's talk about the. Uh, there's about three, three or four a aspects of the design for the M56 Scorpion. First one we're going to talk about is the mobility. So due to being lightweight, it was an extremely maneuverable vehicle on every ground type. It was powered by a Continental AOI-402-5 high octane gasoline engine. This sent 200 horsepower through the Allison CD150-4 transmission to the Ford mounted drive wheels, powering the vehicle across cross country at a respectable 28 miles an hour or 45 kilometers an hour. Fuck, that's pretty good actually. That's fucking booking it, bro. That is Blitzkrieg, that one. Good luck shooting on the move. <laughs> oh, this thing could not. We'll talk about that later. Foreshadowing oh. on that one. Um, <laughs> the M56 featured a unique track and suspension. The track was lightweight and rubber connected with metal grousers. It had a torsion bar suspension connected to all six wheels, including the drive wheel and idler to assist with recoil stresses. The road wheels were humanic with 7.5 times 12 tires that could be run even if punctured pneumatic road Holy wheels which yep you could run you could ride these things on rims shit uh pneumatic for fucking detroit yep pneumatic road wheels were chosen because they're much lighter compared to standard solid steel so this they're trying to make this as light as possible um you can see the various uh photos down at the bottom showing off the suspension road wheels there's actually i've just noticed the bottom right photo in the four that has that looks like a uh, a recoilless rifle instead of the ninety mil. It does. That's that's kind of cool, actually. That gives me ideas. <laughs> actually, if you get if you literally if you just get the chassis of a scorpion, you could do quite a bit with it, model wise. You really could. There's a lot of shit that people don't really know about. Yeah, like you could turn that's this into for. anything. I'm getting ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the sorry, next aspect we're going to talk about is the armor, or lack thereof. <clears throat> the, yeah, you're going to find this one good. The airborne deployment and weight restrictions associated with it demanded sacrifices, one of which was that the Scorpion was a completely open vehicle. It had nothing that could be considered armor whatsoever, but a 5mm gun shield and reinforcing brush protection bars over the front of the tank. Uh, indeed, the only protection the crew had was the 5mm gun shield. This only covered the driver and gunner's positions. Other than that, they were completely open to the elements and any fragmenting explosives. I do, believe if they were, I do believe if they were driving fast enough, there's a high chance you would have needed to take the penetration value of a mosquito into account, because chances are they might go through it. I mean, you know, you, you, you're looking at five millimeters. That is, um, look that at that. <laughs> and e even the five millimeters that is there, like, what the fuck is that going to protect you from? Mm, like, maybe a fucking shield. Maybe shrapnel if you're far enough away. Shit, maybe. <laughs> Though the crew probably would have enjoyed a bit of armor, the lack thereof wasn't too much of a downside. The scorpion, like its namesake, was an ambush predator. It was able to fire and scuttle back to cover extremely quickly or engage targets at ranges up to a thousand meters. So, damn. Yeah. So this was like just guerrilla warfare, fire and uh, fire and run. Was it shoot and scoot? Yeah, shoot, dude. This would have been perfect in like the Chechen wars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was used in Vietnam for a short amount of time. I mean, 
if you just have the gun poking up over the uh over a hill, I mean that's a small target to try and shoot back at. And the fact that you can true. just run away at uh what was it twenty five mile an hour, you're gonna have they a hard time smile, hitting yeah. that. Yeah. You'd be bouncing around a lot in an open vehicle <laughs> <laughs> hanging on for dear life. Because there's not, your crew members fly out. Yeah, well, there's not there's a there's got a crew of what four and there's fuck all room in it. Hold on, buddy, we're moving. Yeah, it's like, hold on, we got a bump. Hey, where's our loader gone? <laughs> oh, a half our ammo just flew out. <laughs> but yeah, you'd, you'd, to call this an armored vehicle would be pushing the limits of the uh, name armored. <laughs> Calling that an armored vehicle is like saying I'm six foot. <laughs> it's just not true. <laughs> uh, so, design feature number three. The most obvious design feature, one giant ass gun. So, the sting in this scorpion's tail was the M54 90mm gun, which was specially designed for the vehicle. It would have to be that such a tiny vehicle to be mounted on. Yeah, honestly. It was originally going to be mounted with the T119 90mm cannon, but it wouldn't fit onto the tank. <laughs> it's... Its standard ammo was the M3-18 armor-piercing round. It could punch through 190 millimeters of armor at 1,000 meters. It could also holy shit. Yeah, it's pretty good actually. Like that's that would take out most tanks in Vietnam at that point, eh? Yeah, yeah. So that's it's a pretty good gun on this one, as well as being the gun being modified. Uh, there is also another use, uh, another useful feature of the gun. It could fire the entire range of 90mm ammo in, of the day, including HVAP and APCR-T. So ammunition was stored in a rack at the rear of the vehicle. It carried 29 rounds in three, three stack rows, two rows of 10, and one of 9. Like this, It's a very useful gun, this. The fact you could fire with any 90mm ammo from it. You're, you're definitely, uh, you've got a wide variety to choose from. Yeah. Yeah, so, targets. yeah. The gun, though it operated and performed as designed, was also somewhat of a problem. Go figure. Tiny vehicle, <laughs> big gun. Uh, as you can see on the uh, the left hand photo. Holy fuck! Yeah, it's the, as long as the damn vehicle. That's just the re that's the recoil, and also I know it. Look how oh high the God. fucking front is firing up. <laughs> Sheridan had the same problem, but yeah. fuck, at least Sheridan had a proper turret. Yeah, so the force of the recoil was amplified on the vehicle because it was so light to the extent that it would lift the vehicle almost three foot off the ground. Jesus. It gets better. Firing the gun straight forward was not a problem, bar the intense recoil. However, should the tank need to engage a target to the extreme left or right of the gun's traverse, it ran the risk of severely injuring, injuring either the driver, commander, or the gunner himself. Indeed, if the commander stayed in his seat with the gun aimed to the right, he would receive a, re a recoiling breech block to the face. As such, it was recommended by a manual that all unnecessary crew abandon the vehicle when the gun is firing in this way. <laughs> abandon the vehicle. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Everyone jump out except the gunner, who has to, who's the poor bastard, has to stay inside. <laughs> On the way, I yeah. guess. Uh, I think I'd say the best posi position would be the actual loader. Uh, you see on the bottom right photo, you see where the okay. ammo is stored. But that little I platform do. underneath it actually folds out and extends out a little bit for the for the uh, loader to stand on. Oh no shit! Each of those uh, each of those tubes are spring loaded, so you when you push them in, it um, 
compacts a spring so when we, when you open it you don't need to try and like grab it or anything it literally springs out into your hand it's quite good that um, yeah and also to tell if there was a little plunger that if a round was in would press against to push out and that was your way of knowing if there was a round in the tube or not so it was, um you're not going around trying to find figure out which tube's got what in it and i'd say you'd probably have some sort of color coding to figure out what round is also in what tube you know uh, the, I, I would think so. Yeah. So I'd say that the loader's job in this one is, inc- like, compared to other armored vehicles, <laughs> quote, armored vehicles, his job on this <laughs> one would probably be the easiest. He's got a lot of room to move around. he got a lot. He can stand up and everything. Rounds are easy to get to and to load it. You'd, you'd probably load this, reload this thing pretty damn fast. I'm about to say that the, the loader in this situation is kind of getting the homie hookup. Yeah, because then he also, all he needs to do is just step back off the vehicle when they fire <laughs> otherwise because he will be thrown off it <laughs> to be honest i mean if you're going by the the uh, uh look of the bottom left photo when that thing's half in the air i mean it, you don't want to stand behind it you got a bloody breech block that's firing god knows how fast behind you right <laughs> oh but i've seen videos of these thing firing and fuck me it's just the whole thing just bounces up and down and i mean it, it looks fun but I'd say you'd get pretty tired of it after a while. I I agree. Of course, this is a quick, small vehicle, so it's a quick one. Uh, Funnily enough, uh, service life, bugger all, to be honest. Uh, The (laughs) M56 saw limited combat service during the Vietnam War. It was deployed with the 173rd Airborne Brigade, the only brigade to do so. It was mostly used in a supportive role. The M56 was not popular with the USMC, who favoured the recoilless rifle-equipped M50 Ontos which we have talked about before, which was used in the same, which was used in the same role, but had an armored fighting compartment. That's which is probably why they uh, preferred it. Probably. (laughs) The vehicle was effectively replaced in the field by the better armed and armored. I mean, even that's relative. M551 Sheridan in 1970. I mean, that's, it's not much of an armor upgrade, to be honest. (laughs) Like armor thickness. You're you're swapping something with a five millimeter blast plate to something that's, uh, made of aluminium. Yeah. You so, mean aluminum. I know what I said. <laughs> we invented it, damn it. So, the M56 was in, was exported to the Republic of Korea, Spain, and Morocco. Morocco was the only other nation to use the vehicle in anger. It served in combat against Sahari rebels during the Western Sahara War. Bottom left photo, you can see just what I'm talking about. If you get one of these behind a, a defilade, yeah, you. It's a small target to try and f- shoot back at, eh? Yeah, good luck finding it. Yeah, like that is the perfect sort of vehicle for ambush. I, I I'll give it that. Yeah, if if you got that thing set up in an ambush where you can pull out real easy, or if you're far enough away that your smoke screen, once you shoot that round off, isn't going to be too visible, you're you've got a damn good little vehicle there. Yeah, especially the fact that the loader could probably slap rounds in pretty damn fast because this was a semi-auto. Uh, gun as well excuse me uh semi-automatic so instead of having to pull a pull it down the um block to open the breach and whatnot you just slapped around and you it fired and it o- opened up automatically that's fucking beautiful yeah i mean most most american guns were like that you know so you know with this having the same capability and the fact how how easy the rounds are and stuff like that i'd say you could fire off rounds a lot quicker in this you know that's i fucks with it but yeah, so this thing didn't have much of a service life, unfortunately. I mean, you kind of get why um, 
you know, you had stuff like the Ontos, which even then that didn't have much of a service life as it is. And then going to the Sheridan, but there was this, this sort of like awkward time for air mobility vehicles because, of course, you know, this is around Vietnam War time where they're looking, you know, as with Vietnam War was the helicopter war, wasn't it? You know, that, oh, 100%. you think of Vietnam, you think of the, the Huey immediately. Facts. Um, that 100%. Yeah. And of course, you know, you got dense jungle and all that. Trying to get armored vehicles up on the line is difficult as hell trying to get it through there if you just airdrop them in you know so but it was a sort of weird point of airborne vehicles how do you design them um you know you're you're looking at you're starting to look at you know atgms turning up there wasn't a lot of tank on tank battles in vietnam anyway so mainly yeah so i'd say the majority of these things when they were used were probably firing high explosive at infantry positions you know so at that point kill them all yeah kill them all at that point you'd probably want some sort of armor around you just because infantry shoot back <laughs> you know yeah, a five do. mil gunplate against a, an ak762 isn't gonna do fuck all <laughs> it's gonna go right through that bitch and smack you in the neck yeah yeah but yeah so the on to the uh the scorpion it's um i mean it's a sound vehicle you know, for what it what it's what it was being uh, designed for. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it apart from, you know, the recoil that flip almost flips it backwards. But you know, that's just <laughs> minor minor detail. That's a feature. It's called a feature. Um, it's a feature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah, call it that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, so I would say if this was used in any other sort of landscape, it probably would have done better as well. You know, when it's looking at tank on tank and long range combat, um, shoot and scoot stuff like that. I mean, I'd say, I'd say the Vietnam, Vietnam was probably the wrong theater for this vehicle. I'll agree with that, hundred percent. Like if this, like if this was it, like say if you had this in World War Two in like France or something like that, it would have been really good for that. You know, open fields. Oh. Uh, Could you imagine the field upgrades the GIs would have put on that thing and had the modeling potential? Oh yeah, yeah. They they would have somehow put a fifty cal on it. Like somehow. Oh dude, hundred percent fifty cal extra steel plates on the side for fucking your uh, your Mm. protection. Like (laughs) yeah, yeah. Oh man. So it's kind of like it's it's just in the wrong era. You could say wrong era. Unfortunately, yeah. Mm. But of course, it is a vehicle, so there are models of it. Unfortunately, there uh, are next to no models. I could find three. Uh, One of them's Ravel. No. And this is weird. This is Ravel, uh, one to fortieth scale. What? I know they they did a weird scale, and they've re-released it a few times. This is the this is the original one. Um, I gotta say, I love the uh, box art for it though. Um, but That's this is. Cool. This is one to fortieth, so that's that's what the fuck is one to fortieth? It's uh one to fuck all. That's what. Yeah, it's like the the midway point of thirty fifth and forty eighth, basically. But yeah, I don't um, like it. So there is a seventy second scale one that that one is fairly new by, uh, I think that's about two thousand and four uh, to two thousand and ten, somewhere around there. But that's a seventy second scale. Resin kit with photo etched metal parts. Um, 72nd scale Scorpion would be probably a bit too small. 
bit too fiddly. Oh, that would be minuscule. Yeah. Uh, Hobby fan, however, they have a 1 to 35 scale, which it actually looks pretty good. That looks detailed as fuck. I'll get it. When did it release? That one is around 2014, I think. Oh, so fresh. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, that was the uh, M56 Scorpion. Not much to say about it, but um, not much around about it, to be honest. There's not much to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little vehicle. Yeah, so we're just going to have a uh, quick intermission, and then we'll be back with the hobby news. We are back. So shall we have a look at uh, what's new? I think there's some uh, pretty interesting-looking vehicle uh, new models coming out. Which uh, a few I wouldn't mind having actually. Well, let's take a gander. So, first one is yes. This is the British Apache. There we go. So this is a uh, Tacom's British Apache, basically. It, um, so this is the AH Mark One Apache. This is what the this was uh, an Apache designed for the British. Basically, they uh, the British took it, and then put their own stuff on it. Didn't uh, Prince Charles or whatever fly an Apache? Um, Harry. Harry. Yeah. Little bitch. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but basically, so we've got CAD renderings of it here. All the uh, green, you can see the green parts are the modification parts to turn it into a British Apache. And you can also see where there's photo etch and stuff like that. So... This is looking pretty, uh, pretty good. Tacom's uh, Apache is is pretty good, isn't? It? It's supposed to be a really good kit, isn't it? That's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. It's all over mind. Facebook. I wouldn't mind one. You gonna? When are you gonna buy it? Uh, when does new stuff come to New Zealand? <laughs> uh, in about twenty years, you'll start getting the twenty eighteen Tamiya stuff. So yeah, uh... yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm at, I mean, the Hellcat. Tell me a Hellcat. I've managed to find one of, like they're just sold out. Really? Every, yeah. And that was someone who trade me who wanted a, a stupid price for it. Right up next, this one is actually the first T thirty T thirty four that I I would be interested in. So this is by Border Models. So they have a T thirty four eighty five and thirty fifth scale. However, this this um particular kit comes with five resin figures. Workable tracks and suspension and a metal gun barrel. So they're they're actually oh, giving us shit. a lot of stuff. You know, you got metal gun barrel, five resin figures which look amazing. Workable tracks and suspension is always welcome. Uh, it's got photo etch, four schemes of markings, clear parts, and military ba- uh, military bags included. So this is from this is a this is a T thirty four eighty five with a comp- composite turret with from Plant 112. This is actually a T3485 I wouldn't mind having. About to say, that's, uh, I've got Tamiya's 48 scale T3485, but uh, if I ever do a 35th one again, I'm definitely going for that one. Because yeah. that, that is a nice sounding kit. Metal barrel, resin figures included, like fuck. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good. A lot of, I think companies need to start adding in, like, extra figures, to be honest, you know. Good figures, yeah. not this yeah. fucking bullshit that to me it threw out in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. So like the flak crew for Tamiya, fucking horrible. Mm. Well, I've got yeah my my uh, Jag Panther and Broombar 
all had figures with them, and I just no. <laughs> Toss some hoes out. Yeah. <laughs> Up next, we have two from Trumpeter. We have an MI4 Hound and an HMS Columbo. The Hound is in 48 scale, and the Columbo is in 1 to 700 scale. So these look pretty damn good. I'll give them that. I'll take the Hound and use that in a Chechen War diorama. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the Hound, that has full interior as well. No sh- Oh my gosh. Yeah, I think that's got a full interior engine, everything. So, And the HMS Columbo, uh, I think that's, that is a light cruiser from first f- used 1919. I think that one saw service throughout World War II and was eventually scrapped in like 1948. No shit. But yeah, so I wouldn't. I think that I think it's along the similar lines. Uh, no, I'm thinking of something else. Never mind. But yeah, <laughs> two, two new trumpeters up next. Uh, another Stug, <gasps> but it's late production. Yeah, well, actually, this is a Stug, the Stu Forty Two Alf G. Uh, this is a Stug with a One Hundred Five Howitzer on it. So. I don't know, I'll give it a pass on that, but it's another Stug 3. It's just with a bigger gun. That's that's when Ezra shows up to the yeah, podcast. Yeah. Although this does have full engine, full interior. Tra- you can open up the transmission. You can show it fully loaded with ammo inside. So, All right, I'll give them that. that. That is pretty nice that they did that. Yeah, yeah. I will say that winter camo looks pretty damn cool. It's like very interesting. Scene. I've always, yeah, I've always been curious about that zebra, like hard, hard line stripes on like winter camos. Yeah, because they have for the M forty two duster I got for the Tamiya one on the box, it shows a kind a camo kind of like that. Yeah, it's just it's kind of odd. At least the one on the duster, it just looks weird. Yeah, I w- I've, I wouldn't mind trying a zebra with whitewash. I think next time. What have I got? Hang on. What have I got? What have I got? I've got a Stug 4 late with Winter Kitten tracks. That's the old Dragon one. Wait, I'm sorry. You said you have a Stug? It's a Stug 4. Oh, I that got. oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I got the 4 just out of pure spite to Ezra because he hates it so much. I was about to say, I remember that conversation now with Ezra. He's like, no. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. So I might, I might try it out with that, actually. That's not a bad idea because... I do want to try one or two tiger stripe type uh, camos like that. Um, you know that model I've got that's the Chaffee with the, um, that's turned into an anti-aircraft gun platform with the six barrels in the turret? Mm-hmm. For some reason, like I just looked at it and I'm just going, I really want to do a tiger stripe on it with like <laughs> orange in it, turn it into a high Horizon Island one, but I really want to put tiger stripe on it. I don't know why. It just looks do like it, it should. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. But, yeah, enough about Stugs. Ooh. So these are two new modern vehicles from Hobby Boss. We have a Chinese AWACS and a Russian missile air defense system. So the uh, vehicle on the left, that is the Russian S-350E surface-to-air missile system. And then the AWACS is the KJ-500. Um, actually, that one, it, it looks like a nice aircraft. So I was having a look through the S-350E, the, air mis- the uh, missile air defense system. 
That's got uh, metal part. That's got photo etch, clear parts. It has masks. It actually has masks for the clear parts as well. You're they, kidding. They supply that in the kit. That's pretty nice. They're listening. Yeah. They'll get there eventually. And then the uh, AWAX <laughs> kit just looks pretty damn good anyway. So, yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, next. See, it's a pity. Um... <gasps> yes. It's a pity Dennis wasn't here. It is, it is. I mean, I'm here and I want that, but yes. Mm, so, Tamiya is releasing the Type 16 MCV C5 with a winch in 35th scale. So, this will probably... That, yeah. That I would make Horizon Island, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So, this is uh, this has got brand new parts to it. Uh, this was initially released in 2018, just the Type 16 MCV. So this is just basically an update to it, which turns into the C5 variant with the winch attachment, uh, winch to it. So this is just uh, basically adding new parts to the uh, original. So, yeah. But, yeah, Dennis would probably love this. Didn't we give him one of these in 48 for his birthday? Uh, I, I think it was a 16, I think. Yeah, the 48 scale. It was something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure that would be a pretty good kit. Again, Dennis is not here. We have two new Aoshima 72nd scale aircraft. So these are similar aircraft. This is the so we have an NR N1K2J Shiden um, Model 21 early type and an N N1K1JB Shiden Model 11 Otsu. So these are two late war fighters. Uh, I think these were actually really good Japanese fighters. I'm yeah. not a big aircraft guy, especially when it comes to Japanese planes. They all kind of look the same, but I'll take your word for it. They do look badass, especially the box art on the left side. I like that box art. Mm, yeah, although it is, it has just shot down a uh, Corsair. So I'm not gonna look at that part. I'm just gonna look <laughs> at the cool waves flashing and pretend that's a Hellcat. Hmm. And looking at the one on the right, that looks like a snow-covered sort of area. Is that like... It looks, that like, looks like Korea. It looks like Aleutian Islands. Oh my god. That would make a good diorama, actually. Japanese at the Aleutians. It would. With snow. Japanese and snow. That would be cool. Then you could do like a part two where the Canadians and Americans shoot at each other. Yeah. <gasps> <gasps> oh, wait. We're not supposed to talk about that. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but... Yeah. So they look like good kids. If you're into sure Japanese do. aircraft, they would definitely be one to talk for. Dennis. He's seething right now. Yeah. Uh, we have a CAD render for the for a new EDARD kit. This is the BF-109 F2 early. So Ooh, yes. This will be uh, pretty good. Although, I don't know too much about the F-series, actually. I know they were used in North Africa, and they were tropicalized with the filters, but that's about all I know. No, actually, no. Uh, they were the first BF109s to lose the wing-mounted cannons and receive the nose mount, the uh, nose cannon that fires through the propeller. Uh, oh no, shit! Yeah, that's right. Yeah, F series is yeah. They lost the wing cannons, picked up the, and then gained a cannon in the propeller. Yeah, that's all that's I know. Pretty bad. <laughs> I just know it's a German airplane. It's a BF109. I like the 109s. They're cool looking. Mm. I like the one I actually managed to get a, what was it? It's, it's called A Models. It's uh, I got their BF one hundred and nine Zwilling kit. So, oh, right on. Yeah, I paid a bit more than 
what I'd want to for it, but it's worth it. I mean, there's there's only a few few model companies that do the Z BF one hundred nine, so I just kind of wanted it, needed it, gotta have Bit it. Bit the bullet. Yeah. And then up next is just a preview of special hobby. <clears throat> so I like the tractor. Yep. So they're gonna. So that look. So so an old Soviet uh, aircraft tractor. We have an A twenty G Havoc, a CAC CA nine. We're away. Uh, do you know what that that aircraft is? Hell no, I don't. Uh, what does it look like? Uh I mean, kind of like a B-24 had a baby with uh, that little fat airplane you showed me earlier today. <laughs> so, a Wear-Away is basically a Harford or a Texan, T-6. Really? Um, the Australians turned it into a, a light bomber, basically. So, huh. Yeah. They would ever see combat? Yep. Uh, against the Japanese. Hell fucking yeah. Yeah. So... It's pretty neat. Uh, they also have an MG3 machine gun uh, squad support variant. So that's in 35th. Even has photo etch parts. That's pretty cool. Wait, they made an MG34 in 35th scale? Just M- as a... MG3. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. It's even got wow. photo etch um, parts. So that looks like the uh, sling for it. So that's pretty neat. Need that for a Ukraine build. Mm. Uh, they also have a DH-100 Vampire, FB de- and the FB-6 or Pinocchio Nose variant. So that, that has Swiss markings and a damn fine camouflage scheme. I'll give it that. Lovely. And top right is looks like a cockpit conversion kit for an FA-18, but couldn't find a lot of info on that one. But it's what it yeah. looks like. Something is going weird with my video capture, but it's okay. So I'm going to stop talking for now because now it's time to talk about our sponsor. So, Greg, would you like to take it away? Sure thing. So if you don't know already, us here at the Micro Machines Podcast, we have our first sponsor, and that is by Scale Colors, a gentleman named Jeff. Uh, he'll be sponsoring our group builds as well as some other special stuff for the group members here on the podcast. Uh, but he makes um, resin printed tracks. He makes his own paint that's non-toxic. He has some other stuff in the works. So if you uh, want some really good paint and good products, go check out scalecolors.com. Um, go join our Discord. You'll be able to talk to Jeff himself, ask him any questions you might have, and find out all sorts of fun little details. And uh, yeah, so thanks, Jeff. Yeah, and also if you do order uh, anything from Jeff, just let him know that you heard it from us. You know, just have, it will uh, help him out, find out, you know, just how popular we are. Oh, yes. Yeah. Not only that, uh, just remember, Jeff is a one-man operation. He makes everything, he prints everything, he packs everything, and he ships everything. So, uh, just be patient. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, otherwise, nice guy. Uh, big thanks to him for uh, sponsoring us, sponsoring the group build, everything like that. Um, yeah. So definitely and if you out. haven't already, uh, go check out our interview we did with him a couple episodes back. Yeah, that was a very good episode. So, and also you can follow him on Facebook, uh, Scale Colors. You know, go check him out. If you already order anything, let him know you heard it from us. That'll be great. 
And so this is just going to be a, this is a short episode uh, purely because it's just me and Garrison, but we wanted to record. We wanted to record something, and you know, so we'd just like to say a special thanks to our Patreon supporters. Now there's more than one: Will Gallagher of Claw, of course, and Clint from Floki's Models. Floki, Floki. <laughs> Big thanks to both you guys. You guys are great. If you want to join them on our Patreon, you'll find extra content, uh, outtakes, stuff that YouTube won't won't allow us to say. You're um, welcome. Yeah, there's some pretty uh interesting things. There's some heinous shit, and I'll put it to you this way. Yeah. If you go to a comedy show and you get mad at the comedian, you're wrong. If you subscribe <laughs> to our Patreon and you get mad at the Patreon content, you're wrong. Heads up, it's not safe for work yeah like if you think we're bad in these episodes yeah you're gonna have a fun i think you'll enjoy them they're nicely edited and outtakes and stuff like that but you know for only three bucks a month you get access to that um you show us some support if you wanted to yeah but yeah so if you just go to uh patreon type and search for micro machines podcast you'll see us there um and yeah so but big, big thanks to Paul and Clint. You guys are amazing. Yes, thank you, gentlemen. And just a reminder for anyone who's who might be interested in supporting us on Patreon. Uh, all of our group builds, we fund ourselves. So our, our goal right now is to at least get an income from the Patreon that we can buy nice prizes for people without pulling out of our pockets directly. That's, that's one of our big goals for Patreon. So if you want some cool prizes for our group builds, Go subscribe to our Patreon, get that awesome content, and join the group builds and try to win. Sounds good. And last but not least, of course, since it's still going, we're still going to uh, talk to you about it, try and get you guys in on this. Garrison, go for it. As I just mentioned, group builds. This is our current primary group build. This is the Cold War group build running from February 1st to June 1st, 2023. There is a competition submission as well as a recreational submission. So you can submit some stuff for fun or you can do it for competition. Everything you need to know is in our Discord link down in the description below. Uh, Go check out. There's an info and question section. Uh, There's uh, submissions, all sorts of fun stuff. We have some nice prizes lined up for you guys for whoever wins. So go check that out. Hope to see your builds. Yeah, and we have some... Stiff comp- competition this time. I mean, last last group build was pretty difficult to judge. It was a, it was all close. Uh, this time we're getting some good submissions, and I mean, you got Don and his uh, command vehicle. That thing looked incredible. I've oh just, man! Just yeah. had a look on Facebook. Uh, good old MD Martin Drayton. Yes, his T sixty two. Yes, T sixty two. Oh, he's doing that in I hotels even- as well. Dude, I didn't even realize that was a. I I knew he was doing the Tamiya one, but I didn't see it was him making it at first. And I saw all that aftermarket he put on. Mm. And I was like, I wonder who built that tank. And I was like, yeah. Oh fuck, that's Martin. Yeah, and it's got the middle barrel and everything. Oh, that thing's looking great. So, but yeah, we're, so we're looking. We have some very very good entrants at the moment. So uh, we have great prizes. Uh, join the dis join the Discord. We can't promote that enough. Uh, we also have our Facebook page. We have chats on there we have hangouts all the time you usually catch a you know most weekends and even during the week you'll find you'll find us online 
come and say hi, you know, jump on. We'll, we're usually playing video games or just building models and chats, having hangouts, stuff like that. So, you know, if you want to get in and feel like you're part of something great, you know, join the Discord. Um, you're guaranteed for a fun time. Plenty of things to chat about. It's a good laugh. Yeah. It's a good little community we've got. We just reached over 100 people, and it's from all over the world, so there's always somebody online. Yeah. You'll, you'll always find people to hang out and chat with, and everyone's super friendly. Uh, we've got some fairly prominent names there. I mean, Martin's on there. Uh, Christian, uh, CG Wolf, he's on there. Uh, so, you know, Jeff, Jeff from Scale Model, if you need references or anything like that, if you want to help with anything, they are some great builders. They will, they are always willing to help out anyone who asks. Um, you know, it's just a good time. So, yeah, if you need and if you want to join our Discord and you're not sure how, uh, you can find us. We're all in the links in the description. You'll find every link possible to get in touch with us. Just flick us a message somehow through any one of them. We're pretty onto it. We'll get you a into it into discord or help out in any way we can so feel free we we are totally open and you know if you want to private message us about stuff go for it we always reply so if you have managed to make it through this far you have been god i feel like dennis now this is weird (laughs) (laughs) you damn canadian ugh I feel like I should try and do this in a Canadian accent, but I can't do Canadian. So, you want um, me to do it? Uh, if you can manage it. <clears throat> hey there! So you've been listening to the uh, the Micro Machines podcast, eh? <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. I uh, hope you saw the moose there, eh? I uh, hope you enjoyed your Timmy's, and uh, see you all at Ergicon, eh? <laughs> all right, everyone. I hope you take care, and we'll see you on the next episode. All right, see you, everyone. You can't even do your bam bam anymore. Did it anyways. (laughs) (laughs)